Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mr. Classic Wrestling Podcast. And today, I'm going to go over a review of AEW's Dynamite. Starting off the evening, man, we have a John Moxley segment. Moxley comes down to the ring to a mixed reaction from the fans. Some fans were cheering for uh, John Moxley. Some fans were booing John Moxley, especially with you know them being in Chicago, Illinois, uh, for Dynamite's episode. Um, Moxley said a lot, man. I mean, Moxley ends up mocking CM Punk. He ends up saying that he's the heart and soul of AEW. Moxley then also goes forward and says that CM Punk folded in their matchup that they had on Dynamite last week. Moxley said that he has no sympathy for Punk. Moxley also then pulls out a contract that is an open contract to be signed for a title match at AEW's All Out this weekend. Moxley then leaves the ring, throws the contract on the mat, and walks away. Ace Steel then comes down to the ring, grabs the contract, and then takes it back stage a couple things i'm going to say about this segment man number one um john moxley has done a hell of a job defending that aew interim championship if you will man i mean he's been on a hell of a run um with that championship 100 percent uh to be honest with you the mixed reaction i thought was hilarious man i mean what do you expect you're in chicago it's cm punk's hometown john moxley the you know last week pretty much had a two-minute squash match with cm punk and became the undisputed AEW world champion. So, I mean, obviously, Moxley's going to come out to the crowd, you know, come to the ring with mixed reactions from the crowd, some boos, some cheers. But I thought the segment for John Moxley was awesome. And uh, I will get into who actually signed that contract a little bit later for that match against John Moxley later in the podcast. But uh, moving on to the next match of the night, it is Jake Hager versus Brian Danielson. I thought this was a good matchup. Uh, pretty much this match took place due to the fact that what happened last week when Jake Hager at- attacked Brian Danielson from behind. Uh, this match, you know, was a really good matchup, back-and-forth matchup between Hager and Danielson with Danielson keeping the pace of the match. Hager then hits a spear on Danielson through the uh, announce table that was ringside. Hager then hits a suplex on Danielson on the outside. It looked absolutely brutal. Hager then lands devastating forearm strikes on Danielson in the middle of the ring. Danielson then gets up, lands devastating yes, uh, yes kicks on Hager. Danielson then applies a triangle, but Hager breaks the hold. Hager then applies an ankle lock on Danielson, but Danielson breaks the hold as well. Danielson then lands devastating chops on Jake Hager. And then Danielson ultimately hits a running knee on Jake Hager, pins him for the three. And your winner of the match is Brian Danielson. After the match, Menard and Parker end up showing up. They make their way down to the ring. Menard and Parker both attack Danielson. Wheeler Yuta. And Claudio come down to the ring to attack Menard and Parker. Jericho then runs down to the ring since he was on commentary for this match. He runs down to the ring with a chair. Garcia then makes his way down to the ring as well. He ends up stopping Jericho from attacking Brian Danielson with a chair. Danielson then capitalizes on the distraction and then hits a running knee on Chris Jericho. Moving on from that, we're going to a uh, another segment of the night. It's the wingman segment. Uh, Peter Avalon says that they want more TV time, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Uh, Morrissey then makes his way down to the ring. He pretty much attacks the wingman. Uh, Stokely Hathaway also makes his way down to the ring. He ends up handing uh, Morrissey a uh, business card. It looks like uh, Stokely Hathaway is going to try to hire Morrissey to be a part of his team. Um, A couple things I'm going to say about this to me. I thought this whole wingman segment, I thought it was cringe, to be honest with you. I really did because... I know a lot of people right now, and this I stated this last week, the morale backstage with AEW right now is very, very low. And uh, it's not good. 
A lot of people are not happy, and I will get into more about that stuff towards the end of the podcast because a lot more news came out over the past couple of days pertaining to Thunder Rosa and even Malachi Black and Bobby Fish, which I will touch based on at the end of this podcast. But uh, I thought this segment was cringe, man. I mean, Peter Avalon, uh, Ryan Nemeth, I think his name was, and J.D. Drake and those guys. Look, man, I mean, I'm not trying to be one of those guys where, like, all these guys don't deserve TV time, but they've done absolutely nothing. You can't – there's no build around Peter Avalon. I'm sorry, man. And I watched Peter Avalon since, you know, the NWA days, and he didn't do a damn thing then, and he's not really doing a damn thing now. I understand – when AEW first got started, they were doing the whole librarian thing with uh, Leva Bates and all that stuff. It just doesn't work, man. He's one of those guys that he probably will never get TV time, to be honest with you. He's going to be on AEW Dark or AEW's Elevation. There's no real predominant storyline that you could put these guys in right now that's going to get people invested to watch Peter Avalon. So I thought it was cringe. And, I mean, for them to say, oh, we want more TV time when they've done absolutely nothing to even earn themselves a TV spot on either Dynamite or Rampage. I mean, come on, man. I thought it was completely cringe. Moving on from that, though, we have a tag team matchup. It is Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker versus Hikaru Shida and Tony Storm. I thought this was a good matchup. Back and forth matchup between both teams with Jamie Hayter and Baker keeping the pace of the match. Shida ends up hitting a springboard Meteora on uh, Hayter, and then Shida ultimately hits the finish on Britt Baker. Pins for the three. And your winners of the match are Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida. Hats off to Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida for getting the win in this matchup. Moving on from that, we have a CM Punk segment. CM Punk music hits. Man, the crowd goes crazy. He makes his way down to the ring. Punk talks about his injured foot. Punk also says that he shouldn't have come back so early from injury. He also said that he can't, you know, he's cleared to wrestle and then he came back to wrestling for the fans. Ace Steel then makes his way down to the ring, holding the contract. Ace Steel then is trying to hype up CM Punk. Ace uh, Steel ends up yelling at Punk to sign the contract. Punk then gets up, you know, he gets all hyped up, calls out John Moxley. He makes his way through the crowd in Chicago and ends up signing the contract. So we are going to get John Moxley versus CM Punk 2 at All Out. A couple of things I'm going to say about this, man, and this kind of goes hand in hand. I've truly believe with the whole wingman segment i thought it was cringe to be 100 percent honest with y'all man I, i'm not taking anything away from cm punk i'm glad he's back in professional wrestling he obviously is a still you know still a big big name in professional wrestling but to have this match again after what moxley did and had a glorified squash match with cm punk i don't see how this does this benefits cm punk at all because, you know, you had CM Punk come into the fold in AEW on an undefeated streak, you know, and he was you know, having decent matches. And then here he is facing Moxley after he came back from injury and, and got squashed. And then now we're going to book this as the main event at All Out. For what? And honestly, I mean, for what it's worth, man, it does look like CM Punk is possibly going to beat John Moxley at All Out for the AEW World Championship. But like I said, because Moxley had squashed CM Punk last week, what does it really do for CM Punk? What is going to be the morale around CM Punk knowing that he got squashed, you know, last week? Here he is, again, challenging John Moxley for the AEW Championship, and then he supposedly beats John Moxley. Oh, well, his leg was injured. Obviously, they get cleared to wrestle, man, for every match. So what the hell is the point? You know, I understand it's in Chicago, and he's from Chicago, but do I think he deserves another title run? No, man. And to be honest with you, I don't think he does. John Moxley has done a hell of a job winning, you know, holding that championship and defending that interim championship belt. A hell of a job. 
number one. Number two, right now, John Moxley is the guy, man. He He's the guy that's putting AEW on his back. And like I said, doing a hell of a job carrying that title. CM Punk comes back into the fold. They have a match, like I said last week. He gets squashed, and now you're challenging John Moxley again. Why? Because they're it, it's all out, and we're going to be live from Chicago. What the hell is the point of that, man? I thought it was cringe. I thought the CM Punk segment was not that good. A Steel coming out to the ring. You know, it, it was just, I thought it was cringe, man, to be honest with you. I don't think this match was needed. Now, if the match that happened last week in Cleveland, where John, you know, where CM Punk took a squash match, you know, and just waited to put this match off until they got to all out and then had the match, then it would have been it would have been a different story. Even if John Moxley squashed CM Punk, he would have squashed CM Punk in two minutes at all out in Chicago, Illinois, CM Punk's hometown. It would have shook that whole crowd up, man. But now we're getting the rematch again at all out, even though we just had a two minute squash between Moxley and CM Punk last week, man. It's definitely going to be an interesting main event to see at All Out for sure, man. But I thought this segment between, you know, CM Punk and Ace Steel, I thought it was cringe, if I'm being honest. Moving on from that, we have FTR and Warlow versus a bunch of jobbers, pretty much. I mean, this was a glorified squash match. This was a hype-up FTR and Warlow going into their match at All Out against Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns. Uh, to be honest with you, it was a decent match. FTR and Warlow were keeping the pace throughout the entire match with Warlow ultimately hitting a devastating powerbomb, pins for the three. And your winners of the match are FTR and Wardlow. Hats off to FTR and Wardlow for getting the win in that matchup. Moving on from that, we have another John Moxley segment. John Moxley comes down to the ring, quickly says that he accepts CM Punk's challenge, and that when it comes to All Out in the main event, Moxley is there to destroy CM Punk. So just trying to have you know a little bit more hype leading up to the match that's going to be happening at All Out between Punk and Moxley. And like I said, man, earlier, it's going to be very interesting to see the outcome of CM Punk versus John Moxley 2 at All Out. Moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It's a fatal four-way matchup. It is Dante Martin versus Roosh versus Ray Phoenix versus Wheeler Yuta. I thought this was a great match. Back and forth matchup. Phoenix ends up hitting a Hurricanrana on Dante into a roll-up. Roosh, though, was keeping the pace of the match. Dante hits a Poison Rana on Phoenix. But Wheeler Yuta ultimately hits a roll-up, pins for the three, and your winner of the match is Wheeler Yuta. Hats off to Wheeler Yuta for getting the win in this matchup. Moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It is the main event of AEW's Dynamite. It is Will Ospreay and Aussie Open versus Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. I thought this was a great matchup as well. Back and forth matchup between both teams with Omega and Ospreay both exchanging in the middle of the ring. Matt Jackson then hits a swanton off the stage onto Aussie Open. Kenny and the Young Bucks were keeping the pace of the match. Omega then hits a Snapdragon suplex or a Snapdragon on Osprey on the outside. Nick Jackson then hits a springboard arm drag on Aussie Open. Omega then hits a one-winged angel. Pins for the three. And your winners of the match. And moving on in the trios tag team tournament is Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Couple of things I want to say about Dynamite last night, man, uh, or the other night. It, it was a solid night. It, it really was. It wasn't like a bad night. It was kind of newsworthy a little bit, but it wasn't a bad night. The main event, you know, Will Ospreay and Aussie Open versus Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. It was a solid matchup. And to be honest with you, everybody wanted to see Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega inside the same ring. There's been a lot of hostility between both Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay on Twitter. Looks like they got a little bit of a beef, especially pertaining to you know both 
Kenny Omega's time and Will Ospreay's time in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, Kenny Omega's pretty much saying that Will Ospreay's trying to fill his shoes of what Omega did in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, a couple other things I'm going to take away from Dynamite as well, man. And like I stated earlier, is that some of the segments, uh, the wingmen, I don't know why the hell those guys even had TV time to have this segment about not getting TV time. But Peter Avalon and Ryan Nemeth, or whatever the hell his name is, and J.D. Drake, those guys have done literally nothing. I mean, they haven't done jack shit on Dynamite, in my honest opinion. They haven't done nothing, man. And to be honest with you, like I said, I mean, pretty much for them coming out and saying that and knowing the morale backstage with a lot of the AEW talent that it's main roster talent, you know, guys like CM Punk, uh, Adam Page, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, those guys like that that want more TV time. You had these guys like Peter Avalon saying, oh, we deserve more TV time. You haven't done shit to deserve TV time, in my honest opinion. Nothing. Honestly, nobody really knows about, nobody even gives a damn about the wingman. Let's be real, man. Nobody gives a damn about Peter Avalon or Ryan Nemeth. I mean, you see him on Being the Elite. Okay, awesome. Who gives a shit, man? Really? These guys don't do anything in the ring to even warrant them to have TV time on AEW Dynamite. They don't do shit. So why give them TV time? You have to earn that shit, number one. Number two, there's other people out there right now that I'll get to here in a minute that, A, deserve more time on the microphone and deserve more TV time than the wingmen, personally. I, I, I just thought it was funny. And then you had the CM Punk segment, which, yeah, it's great to see CM Punk, man. I'm not knocking CM Punk. He's a great wrestler, one of the best in the world. And obviously, he's a fan favorite, man. People gravitate towards CM Punk no matter – he can be wrestling in, you know, Chicago, Illinois, or all the way out in somewhere in Montana or Wyoming or even, hell, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. doesn't matter where he's wrestling at. People know who the hell CM Punk is. That's not the problem. The issue I have with this whole segment was is that we already had this, this match take place already. And it was a glorified squash match. And people were like, oh, well, he injured his foot. Yeah, he injured his foot, but he was 100% cleared to wrestle that night, last week. In a glorified squash match. And then you're going to have him, again, challenge John Moxley because you're going to be in Chicago, Illinois, his hometown, to say, you know what, I'm going to sign the contract and we're going to have a rematch. For what? What is the damn point? Now, I will also say this. If CM Punk goes into All Out in Chicago and beats John Moxley, the only way that shit makes sense is if you have MJF come back into the fold as a babyface to challenge a heel CM Punk. That's the only way that shit makes sense because MJF and CM Punk, that story is far from over. I don't really feel like we got a finish to that story between MJF and CM Punk. MJF can come back into the fold as a babyface, chase a WWE guy like CM Punk who holds the AEW championship and goes after CM Punk. That match can take place, who the hell knows, maybe at uh, Grand Slam in New York or maybe full gear in November. <clears throat> it's a possibility. You know, I just thought that the whole segment with CM Punk, I just, it, it wasn't needed, man. It wasn't. And what happens, God forbid, if John Moxley goes back to Chicago on Sunday at All Out and we have another two-minute squash where he beats CM Punk once again? You know, and like I stated earlier, even if CM Punk beats John Moxley, what does that do anything, man? Because you're not – the whole – like I said before, the whole morale around CM Punk is not tarnished, but it's tainted for sure because he got squashed in two minutes against Moxley. You know, when he, he had a great, I guess, undefeated streak, if you will, Going into that match, you know, CM Punk won some matches, and then you have a two-minute squash. Even the backstage interview when he had after that match with CM Punk was like, oh, CM Punk was like, well, 
yeah, I might have injured my foot. Yeah, no shit. I mean, come on, man. You know, I know a lot of people are CM Punk fans. I'm a CM Punk fan myself, but to have this match as a rematch, when you could have put this match off, build up a little bit of storyline, and then we have this match at All Out, first match, boom. Even if John Moxley were to squash him in Chicago, and people were like, well, what's the difference between them being in Cleveland or in Chicago? The difference would have been to have John Moxley build this match up with CM Punk going into All Out, and if, if John Moxley were to squash CM Punk at All Out, then he squashed CM Punk at All Out, but he also squashes CM Punk at All Out, becomes a new undisputed AEW World Champion, and squashes CM Punk in his hometown live at All Out in Chicago, Illinois. There's your story. In my honest opinion, I think a lot of people would agree with me on that. But here we are having a rematch. The other news I want to get into that's coming out as of late is, like I said earlier, man, the backstage morale with AEW. Prime example, Bobby Fish. I don't know if you guys know who Bobby Fish is. You guys maybe know who Bobby Fish is. You know, former member of the Undisputed uh, Era. And then he signed with AEW for one year, joining up with Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, a.k.a. Red Dragon, so on and so forth. Well, supposedly, he's out. He's out. Tony Khan did not renew his contract. He had a one-year contract, and Tony Khan did not renew Bobby Fish's contract. Now, a lot of people were up in arms with this. Me, personally, I'm not. And I'll tell you why. Two reasons. Number one. I think the main reason why he got let go and he didn't, you know, Tony Khan didn't re-sign him for another contract was Bobby Fish supposedly went on another another podcast and I forgot the name of the podcast, so, you know, forgive me, but he went on a podcast and, you know, they were talking about, you know, Bobby Fish's time in in NXT and the Undisputed Era and stuff like that. And Bobby Fish made a comment that, you know, he would go to the war with Triple H that he would run through a wall for Triple H if Triple H asked him to do so. That's one of the main reasons why probably Tony Khan didn't re-sign Bobby Fish. I mean, right now, the whole, you know, the war is real right now between WWE and AEW, my honest opinion. And I truly believe that there is now known as a Triple H effect going on right now, and it's crippling AEW. Humanly. There's definitely a fire that's lit under Tony Khan right now, 100%. And you can't convince me otherwise. I mean, what WWE is doing right now, bringing the names they brought back, Dexter Loomis, Dakota Kai, Bailey came back, Io Shirai got moved up to the main roster, so on and so forth. There's even rumors right now that Braun Strowman is on his way back and that he will be showing up this Monday night on Raw. I mean, come on. The guy's only been back and been, you know, head of talent relations and all this stuff for only a month. And look what he's done. So, like I said, you can't tell me that there's not a fire being lit underneath Tony Khan right now. There is, humanly. As far as Bobby Fish and how he pertains to that, and like I said, you know, the comment that he made on this podcast saying that he would go to war with Triple H, right now, obviously, you can tell that Tony Khan is sweating out what Triple H is doing. AEW is definitely feeling the Triple H effect, if you will, with what, you know, Triple H is doing over at WWE right now, 100%. The other reason why Bobby Fish probably got let go from his contract is that Bobby Fish is not even in his 30s, man. Bobby Fish is 45 years old. Okay, now a lot of people say, well, that's not old. But in professional wrestling, that's old. And really, what is there left to do with, you know, Bobby Fish and AEW? I mean, yeah, they could have signed him on to another contract. And it had Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, feud with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Okay, yeah, we got that match. But after that, what's next, man? Number one, he's 45 years old and he's injury prone. He's injury prone and he's a guy that's 45 years old. And dealing with those injuries and how much he's injury prone you know, it's kind of, you know, Tony Khan taking a risk to sign this guy, knowing that he's 45 years old and knowing that he's, you know, injury prone. 
And you can say the same thing about Ray Phoenix, but Ray Phoenix is a hell of a lot younger than Bobby Fish. You know, and uh, no offense to Bobby Fish, I think Ray Phoenix is a hell of a lot better talent than Bobby Fish is. You know, no offense, but Bobby Fish is gone. He's currently a free agent right now as we speak. He was, his last day in AEW was August 31st. He's now currently a free agent. He can sign wherever he pleases, uh, you know, wherever he wants to wrestle, whether it be WWE, NWA, Impact Wrestling, so on and so forth. The other news I got is Thunder Rosa. Uh, Tony Khan, you know, usually before the pay-per-views, he's usually doing an interview, whether it's with Boston Open uh, Radio or whatever big-time podcast show or radio show that he does to hype up all out. He does it every every time they have a pay-per-view. Well, I think he had a conference call not too long ago, and he was asked several different questions about, obviously, you know, all out and what was going on backstage and the morale, you know, backstage in AEW. So Tony Khan made a comment that I thought kind of struck a nerve with me personally, and it pertains to Thunder Rosa. Tony Khan made a comment suggesting that, you know, the reason why Thunder Rosa doesn't get enough TV time or, or opportunity on the microphone, yada, 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 is because she's not over as much as CM Punk is. To me, that's a big-ass problem. That's a huge problem. And I'll tell you why. Number one, Thunder Rosa, I believe, might be injured, but I also feel like she got suspended due to that altercation that she might have had with Britt Baker. And I'll get into that in a second. The other thing that bothers me is that Tony Khan had went forward to say this, knowing that this woman held your AEW Women's Championship. And you're saying that she doesn't have enough, you know, hype around her, such as uh, CM Punk. Well, no shit. Let's look at the narrative here, man. It's CM Punk. Okay? Everybody knows who CM Punk is. Now, when CM Punk first got started with the first WWE run, nobody really knew who the hell CM Punk was. You know, he was a rookie coming into WWE. Obviously, he had time in Ring of Honor. Everybody gets that. That's fine. Comes over into the fold in WWE. Those WWE fans at the time probably didn't know who the hell CM Punk was at the time until CM Punk got more known for the pipe bombs and all this other stuff and some of the stuff that he would do in the wrestling ring. And I'm not saying that the guy can't wrestle. But when he first got it, I'm talking when he first got on the scene with WWE, nobody knew who the hell he was. And then he became a superstar, like, overnight. You know, but since CM Punk has been with AEW, I mean, they have been putting them on, you know, they made him AEW world champion. They put them on, you know, segments, interviews, backstage stuff, you know, TV time with, a, you know, a microphone where if you see Thunder Rosa, she doesn't really get a chance to talk with a microphone, man. She gets cut off by Tony Schiavone. When Thunder Rosa was having a storyline with Nyla Rose, before, you know, Thunder Rosa got anything out to say on the microphone, here comes Vicky Guerrero to cut her off. So that is a humongous issue. If you have a problem with your AEW women's champion, and you're sitting here telling everybody, all the fans and all these people that are in the media that, oh, well, she's not going to get over like CM Punk. That's a big-ass problem. That's your AEW's women's champion, and you pretty much just, you know, almost threw her in the trash. Like, come on, man. And, again, like I said earlier, I, I do think there's some kind of issue here with Tony Khan and Britt Baker. I, I really do. And I said this like a week or two ago. Britt Baker is Tony Khan's go-to woman for that roster. 100%. To me, he, you know, he, she was one of the first women to sign with AEW, and I get that. But as far as, you know, I feel like Tony Khan has a select few people on that roster right now that, you know, he's always the go-to for. You know, it's the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega. I get that. Then you have Britt Baker. And he's always pushing the envelope with Britt Baker. So I don't know if the issue with Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker was caused by Baker or Thunder Rosa. Now, there's been conflicting stories, whether it was Thunder Rosa and nobody can work with her. And this whole thing stems back when Thunder Rosa was having matches with Ivalice 
when she was signed with AEW and then she was released saying that, you know, Thunder Rosa would threaten her and all this other stuff and, you know, would really pick on Eva Lee's and so on and so forth. I don't know if that's true or not, but do I think Baker has a part to play in that? Absolutely. I, I do, because I think Baker, you know, is she a good talent? Yeah, she's a really good talent, man. She is. She's a really good talent. But do I think, you know, she's the only person on that female roster right now that can just, you know, be the top queen of that roster, if you will? No. I mean, let's look at the narrative, man. You look at, you know, a talent like Jay Cargill. She's undefeated, and she's a TBS champion, okay? That TBS championship is almost more prevalent than that AEW Women's Championship because Jade's more shown on TV. She's doing interviews. She's doing backstage stuff with Stokely Hathaway and the baddies. That title's more predominantly shown, and Jade has a chance to talk, and Jade says very little. You know, she might say something to Tony Schiavone or something to Stokely Hathaway, but that's about it. But that title is more, to me, is more known than the AEW Women's Championship. And that's a problem. That's a humongous problem. And I think the morale backstage is going to continue until this stuff is figured out. The other little thing I want to get into before I get out of here, man, is Malachi Black. Now, it was announced today that Malachi Black has requested his release from his AEW contract. Now, why he's done that, I have no idea. Now, do I think I have, an, you know, do I think it might do with some of the backstage stuff going on backstage? Sure. Absolutely. And, I, and I'll say this, man, you know, Malachi Black, I'm not saying, I'm not talking about Broody King here. I'm not talking about, you know, Buddy Matthews. I'm talking about Malachi Black. Malachi Black's been with the company for a little while. And, you know, there's no AEW World Championship opportunity for Malachi Black yet. No TNT Championship opportunity. I mean, where, where's the opportunities at? How's a Black would fit perfectly to be the first ever inaugural, T, you know, AEW Trios champion, first ever inaugural champions. Didn't happen. Did not happen. <clears throat> so now Malachi Black's asking for his release out of his AEW contract. Now that release or that request was denied from Tony Khan. Look, man, like I said, you know, stated earlier, AEW is going to be feeling this Triple H effect for a little while. Now I'm not saying that Braun Strowman coming in, in my honest opinion, is you know a needle pusher. I'm not saying it is. Now they bring in a Bray Wyatt, you have my attention, but. Is Tony Khan feeling the heat from Triple H and what the hell he's doing? Absolutely. Why would he not? The fact of the matter is, is that AEW had a lot of talent, really, really top talent, injured at the same damn time. CM Punk, Brian Danielson, uh, Adam Cole, Kenny Omega. A lot of top names were injured on this roster. Now, Tony Khan believes that the roster is going to feel, you know, be stronger and better after All Out. That's still yet to be seen. All Out hasn't happened yet. But is he feeling the heat? Absolutely. Is there a good chance that some of the talent on AEW might jump ship to WWE once their contract's up? Hell yeah. I tro I totally believe that. Absolutely. I mean, certain people like, I don't know, maybe uh, Keith Lee could possibly go back to WWE. Uh, Swerve could possibly go back to WWE. Even names that never been to WWE could go over to WWE. You know, Jay Cargill. You know, I think MJF might be a possible candidate to go over to WWE. It's possible. You know, and... Who knows, man, at this point, you know, with Malachi Black asking for his release, even though it was denied, is this more things to come with talent that's on that roster wanting to get out of AEW? It's yet to be seen, man. I'm telling you right now, if they keep losing talent or they want – this is a thing to, you know, start where a lot of talent wants to leave this roster, this is going to become a humongous problem for AEW. And uh, hopefully this, you know, hopefully they can work stuff out with Malachi Black. I have a lot of respect for Malachi Black. I think he's a great talent. Great athlete. I love the House of Black stable with, you know, Brody King and Buddy Matthews. 
hopefully, you know, Tony Khan can make Malachi Black happy, man, because I really feel like AEW does not have, you know, enough talent on that roster right now to lose guys like him, in my honest opinion, man. But uh, as far as Dynamite, you know, it was a decent show. It was definitely a little bit of a newsworthy show. Uh, but like I said earlier, man, some of the segments that were on this show were kind of cringe. And again, man, this all comes down to All Out. What's going to happen in All Out? What's going to happen, happen between CM Punk and John Moxley for the AEW World Championship? And, you know, it's still all yet to be seen, man. But this is my review of AEW's Dynamite. I hope you guys are out there staying safe. Be careful and remember, stay classic. Peace.